0: Hello, and welcome to Wedge Issues, a politics podcast from the Cap Times. I'm Capitol Bureau Chief Jesse O'Poyan. This week, the Wisconsin Legislature's Joint Finance Committee took its first votes on the state budget, and Republican lawmakers introduced a proposal to send more money to local governments, with a few strings attached for Milwaukee. I sat down at the state capitol with Assembly Speaker Robin Voss, a Republican from Rochester, to talk about all of that, along with his advice for the GOP, what's in his political future, and, of course, his favorite Wisconsin cheese. Here's my conversation with Robin Voss. Assembly Speaker Robin Boss, thanks for joining Wedge Issues.
1: Happy to do it. Thanks for having me on.
0: Uh, so a few months ago, we were talking after the 2022 election, and you said you wanted to hit a reset button with the governor. Mm-hmm. How's that going?
1: I think it's still a work in progress. I think you could look at the recent shared revenue deal that we were able to put together. For the first time in recent memory, we had Democrats, Republicans, local officials, state officials, both caucuses, both parties, all in the same room trying to find common ground. You read in the paper we did our first ever bipartisan leadership retreat. Mm-hmm. NCSL is, it's the first one in the country. I think that was pretty cool. Uh, they, they have no record of ever having done it before. And I think we have met with Governor Evers more in the last three months than we did in the last three years. So I wouldn't say we've had tons of things you can point to and say this is a clear example of where it's working. But I think it is a work in progress that hopefully will bear some fruit over time
0: would you say you're like on friendly terms
1: yeah sure yeah i mean it's uh, you know it's like we're not you know texting each other um but definitely <laughs> I'd like to see those yeah. texts <laughs> <laughs> that's right yeah that's probably why you don't. Um, but certainly along the way i think you can you can find some common ground and hopefully do the right things
0: sure so the leadership retreat like you said pretty rare bipartisan moment um what did that entail what you guys talk about
1: it wasn't necessarily issue focused it was mostly just uh you know, kind of looking at the institution, because for one thing in my work at NCSL, uh, the National Conference of State Legislatures, it is all of us strengthening the institution and a time, that's super tumultuous. And it shouldn't necessarily matter who the party is. We should all care about the institution struggling uh, today and hopefully surviving long after we're gone. So I think that's good that we were able to bring them in and do it in a way that I think everybody would say was worthwhile. We're meeting with the leadership uh, on the assembly den side more than we have in the past, I think I had a pretty good relationship with Peter Barker. We're still friends. We still do dinner. Um, under Gordon, it was more challenging. We're kind of hit the reset button there, too, to say it should be more like the Barker method than the Hintz method.
0: And you've got some kind of shared ground, at least, with Greta Neubauer, kind of from each other's Yeah, I realize
1: we both like The Mandalorian. That helps. You know, that was at least one <laughs> thing that was positive, you know, was, well, she watches it, so do I. There you know, just things like that that make you more human. Yeah. I think that never is a bad thing for any work relationship, you know, no matter what you do.
0: So were there like icebreaker activities? Did you do a trust fall? Uh, it-
1: we did not do a trust fall. Uh, but yeah, there were things like that just Sorry. to get to know each other because frankly, they have some new people. We have some newer folks that don't know each other as well. So it gave us a chance to to just realize that everybody is at four. Hopefully the same motivations just added different paths.
0: So this week, Joint Finance Committee started meeting. First step was, as the last couple of budgets have gone, throw out the bulk of what the governor's proposed. No surprise. Yeah. No surprise. I was surprised by how short the meeting was, though. That was a the change from the I was, past. I
1: listed that line. I was kind of surprised at that, too. But I'll
0: take it. Not even a
1: lot of arguing. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. yeah.
0: What are, are the most important things from where you set to accomplish in this budget?
1: Well, the other one, we have to get one passed. So that's my first goal is to do something that allows us to keep Wisconsin moving generally in the direction that I would prefer, which is one that has limited government, lower taxes, and a lighter regulatory touch. That's, that's kind of the things that I look at, especially in divided government. It was interesting in my listening sessions that I just had, I showed a chart that basically says that when Democrats had total control of state government under Jim Doyle, they increased spending about 6%. When Republicans had total control under Governor Walker, we increased it about 4%. Theirs were more spending on programs, ours were more spending on tax cuts, right? But one way or the other it was about that. In divided government under Governor Ebers, we had about 5%. So his proposal at 17% increase, more than even when Democrats had total control, it's just so outlandish that it's disappointing. Because as we said we were going to try to hit the reset button, you could probably craft a budget that would use numbers that were similar to the ones that had passed in the uh, you know in recent times or even under United Democrat control but he kind of did this thing that's so outlandish that because we don't have as active immediate most well, people don't even know that but that's where it wasn't surprising that we would do that so i imagine we'll have spending increases in line with what we did before i imagine we'll have a tax cut that is focused on ensuring people have some relief to help with inflation we'll still invest in schools we have a good shared revenue plan so I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of surprises um, as long as the governor doesn't feel the need to create trauma. Um, And that's not usually his style, so I hope it'll be okay.
0: Sure. You mentioned shared revenue. That deal is kind of rolling out. We're getting a look at it. It's pretty clear, you know, there's ongoing negotiations. What has to happen to get that across the finish line at this point?
1: Well, I think the negotiations are mostly finished. You know, nothing is done until the votes are actually cast on the floor, but I feel like we have a really good framework. Look, not everybody got what they wanted. I fundamentally think that Milwaukee should figure out how to change their own trajectory, and they should have done it 20 years ago. I don't love the idea that our share revenue deal has a bias built into it for big cities, but those were trend offs that we had to make in order to get some of the things that we thought were important, which is a, a little bit of a rebalancing towards smaller communities that at bigger, I would say, challenges dealing with the increasing demand for services and some of the priorities that are going to help cut wasteful spending. So God willing, they don't get in this position again 10 or 20 or 30 years from now.
0: Got the I think a three hundred million dollar innovation fund. That's something that you talked about uh, at the end of the year last year. Yeah. Uh, what are you hoping to
1: accomplish with that? So, if you think about our demographic challenges in Wisconsin, um, you know we have a population challenge. Luckily, we were about even, so we were not a net loser like many states around us. Um, but we're also not a place that people are looking at nationwide saying, "I love cold weather; that's where I want to live." So, a couple of things that we need to think about is let's be optimistic and say that we keep our population positive and growing. It's never going to be the kind of situation in Wisconsin where we can just keep doing the same things the way we've always done them. So we've got to to think different. Uh, Wisconsin has always been an innovator back from, you know, the first workers comp program, the first, uh, you know, school choice program. You can go through a long list of things that we're proud of. Well, I think rethinking how government works in Wisconsin should be a priority for everybody, but it is for Republicans. So the idea that every municipality does everything the way that they've always done and all we do is add a little more money in, isn't going to work. It doesn't, it doesn't work over time. So the innovation fund is totally voluntary. It doesn't require anybody to do anything other than if you want to consolidate or share services, the state's going to be your partner. That should be something, again, that no Democrat should be opposed to because we're not mandating it. No Republican should be opposed to because we're not paying for it forever. So I hope this is a way that we can spark change in local governments to make it more affordable in the long run. And not just have it be every few years they want another 10 percent increase
0: so when you announced this you know you did a press conference with the milwaukee county executive the mayor of milwaukee that's pretty unusual to see republican lawmakers and and milwaukee dem leadership standing together how did that relationship come into formation Um, do you see that relationship remaining strong from here is there more that can can come from that
1: i think it's possible i would start by saying that like any relationship goodwill means that you give the person the benefit of the doubt, but it's Ronald Reagan, you say it's trust but verify. So Mayor Barrett met with us multiple times, but it was it was disappointing because it was a super light touch where we would say, okay, we cure your problems, come back to us with innovations, and nothing would happen for a year. And then he would come back and say, I want something again, and then nothing would happen for a year. So it, it just was very ineffective in the way that he operated. I think Chris Adelie was significantly better. He did a good job. He got some reforms through, which is why Milwaukee County is nowhere near and is nowhere near dire straits as the city of Milwaukee is. So um, when Chevy Johnson came in as a new mayor, hitting the same thing, you got to hit reset buttons in this job, saying, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. He engaged. He said, okay, let's sit down and talk about what your real concerns are. Here's what our real problems are. And at the end of the day, a good relationship was formed where I, I trust what he's saying. I think he's sincere. Um, we don't, again, always agree on the same path, uh, but it was a lot of compromise that hopefully over time, if there are other priorities, we can take a look at him. The whole thing, though, I just don't like it when the only priority is coming to ask us for money, which is sometimes what I feel is the, the standard practice, but i the all open to listening. Sure.
0: It seems like the Senate's been pretty quiet on this, at least from leadership. Do you have any insight as to where they are?
1: You'd have to ask that. I mean, they were in the room for almost all the negotiations. They started a little bit later than we did. Um, I think our caucus just operates differently. You know, somebody used an analogy one time that is, I think, is fairly true that, in the legislature, we're a flock of birds. When one takes off, a lot of the other ones either join in or glide along. Uh, in the le- in the Senate, it seems like it's a bunch of elephants that occasionally meet at the watering hole. <laughs> um, and I, I feel like that's the challenge that they have, right? They just have it's a different way of operating. So for us, we caucused a lot. We talked a lot about issues. We had a common goal of where we wanted to be. The Senate took a little longer to get there, and I think they are still coalescing around whatever their watering hole issues are. But I think in the end, that'd be good.
0: Okay. Republican National Convention will be in Milwaukee in 2024. I'm wondering how imperative this shared revenue deal is to ensuring that that goes smoothly when it comes to public safety and just the infrastructure of Milwaukee. You
1: no, know, I honestly think it has nothing to do with it. Um, you know, don't forget that under the current federal law, the city of Milwaukee and I think Chicago, whoever hosts the net convention, they get $50 million for safety over 10 days. So it's a lot of money that they get. I think there's a bipartisan deal. It sounds like they're going to do approximately another $25 million, so $75 million. So I think they're going to have more than enough money for public safety. But do I want to make sure that they're not declaring bankruptcy or you know coming and having issues? I think that's a bonus. But I think either way, the convention is going to be good for the state. Not so sure it's going to be good for the Wisconsin Republican Party, but only time will tell.
0: <laughs> right. And on that though, you've said you're hoping it won't be Donald Trump, who's the nominee Do you have a preferred candidate at this point?
1: I don't. I mean, I've met Ron DeSantis before. I've met Nikki Haley before. I've never met Glenn Youngkin. I don't even know who all the candidates are yet. But I do know that if we want to pretend that we are back to the future, like the movie, I could go back in time and know how things were going to end. Um, I would not be picking Donald Trump to win in 2020, right? It was a foregone conclusion that he was probably going to lose. But, you know, we didn't know that. We tried. Here we are, though, again, where under any circumstance, polling, party activists, individual discussions with voters and with people who are you know, more interested in politics at average, Donald Trump doesn't win. And I don't know why we would go through a suicide mission. You know, the reason that kamikazes went to the battleship was to sink the battleship. They didn't do a kamikaze mission to miss and then lose the war. And I feel like that's what a Donald Trump candidate seemed to be. It'd be a kamikaze mission where we know how this is going to end and it's not taken out of the battleship because Donald Trump doesn't win. So, you know, I, I did up front that they, they kind of cut my interview, if you watch. Um, but what I said was the reason I don't want Donald Trump to be the nominee is because I don't that he can win. Did he do some good things for the country? Am I happy that he nominated three Supreme Court justices and a lot of good things? Yes. But there are other incredibly capable people who could accomplish the same conservative goals, but actually win an election and not just become a person fixated on the past and trying to right some kind of previous wrongs.
0: How do you square that? I mean, knowing that Donald Trump probably won't win, right? He's, he's not popular nationally, but your party keeps going back to him and keeps gravitating toward him. Why? You
1: know, I wish I knew the answer to that, Jesse. I, I will say, look, do I want somebody who's a fighter? Absolutely. I mean, I want somebody who is not just going to become part of the status quo. I mean, I think you can look at Wisconsin for 20 years. We have been fighting for what we believe in, winning most of the time, losing occasionally. But if I had a record that was consistently losing. People shouldn't pick me, right? They should pick somebody who's a better standard bearer. But our party has this fixation on perfection as opposed to possibilities. You know, Haley Barber, I have this quote on um, one of my social media pages, politics is the art of addition and multiplication not subtraction and division, right? And I really believe that, that Donald Trump doesn't bring new people to the Republican Party. He just really invigorates the people who are already here. Well, in some states, that works. You know, if you're running in Alabama or Oklahoma, you're probably going to be fine. But if you're running in a swing state like Wisconsin or Pennsylvania and now Georgia, all the polls show he can't win. I don't know why we would pick somebody who can't win. So I'm going to try to make that case to our party activists. A lot of them agree with me. But then I see the polling where it sounds like far too many people think Donald Trump is our nominee. Well, they need to see another vision, another possibility. you know. And, and I'm hoping that that's what we can find over time. Um, but I guess that's what we have a year to go.
0: Looking at the last few elections, abortion's been a tough issue for Republicans. It seems like at this point, it's more likely that we're going to see a resolution to Wisconsin's ban, at least in the courts, than with any sort of legislative compromise. Mm-hmm. If we see that ban overturned, would you be satisfied going back to the laws that were on the books pre-Dobbs, or is there more that you'd like to do?
1: Oh well, look, I am proud to be pro-life. I believe that a human child is the most precious thing in the entire universe, right? That somebody who has the ability to give life, a mother, has an amazing will in the future of humanity, really. So I think that there has to be a common sense place where society looks and says that protecting children isn't only from when they are born until they die. It has to be at some point when they are inside the mother's womb. I believe that is as soon as the egg implants and the child begins to grow. Other people believe, you know, it's before the egg even implants. And then there are some who believe it's not until the birth person is born. I mean, all points that are prevalent in society today. I think that a 20 week or a 25 week ban is not sufficient for the state. I mean, I said this on up front and I have thought a lot about it. I don't think anybody would look and say France, Germany, Spain, England, Italy are these radical pro-life places. They are not, right? The church is dead in most of those places, unfortunately. So if they have a 12 to 15 week restriction, because that's where, for the most part, science says the, a, a child can be more viable, I don't know why we couldn't get to at least the same place as most of Europe. Now, should it be less than that? Probably. I'd be more of a heartbeat-filled person. But if the choice is 25 weeks or nothing, or 25 weeks, or, you know, birth canal, of course, 45 weeks is better, but it's nowhere near a consensus in society. And that's why having the court make the decision is wrong. It's why since Roe versus Wade was decided, we have had 50 years of argument about it because courts are not the place public policy should be decided. It should be a compromise in the legislature, it should be hard hand wringing, and then you run elections on that, and people make a choice if they like it or not. So that's why I thought it would be better if we had rape and incest exceptions and a life of the mother definition you um, know, clarification. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't convince my colleagues of that. We had an election, which was mostly about abortion. and that it should be, but it mostly was. And now we have to have the reset button and say, how do we calculate a way that saves the most lives that we can, but does it in a way that brings along the public? I think if you ask the question, do you support abortion for birth control? Because 60-40 issue, people do not. But we don't frame it that way. So I think we need to start discussing it with people and having an honest conversation about what's a reasonable restriction that the public could live with for the long run and not have it be up until birth or never. I don't think either are viable.
0: Sure. Looking at 2022, it was a wild election year, kind of starting with the primary. If you could go back and give your party some advice, whether looking at the primaries or the general, what what might that be at this point now that you've got a little bit of uh, hindsight?
1: If I could go back and talk to our base, the base Republicans to begin with, I would start by saying that better candidates win elections, period. Right? Look, I think Rebecca Clayfish would have been a better nominee. I think Tim Michaels did fine. I have no complaints with the campaign that he ran. But I think that we need to do a better job connected with people on what the issues are that they care about. We spent way too much time talking about the past, um, and that is a recipe for disaster. So when... I had seen any kind of political consultant, or even in my own experience, you spend two-thirds or three-quarters of your time talking about the future and what you want to do, and maybe a third or a quarter of the time talking about your record, you know, past wrongs, whatever it is. We spent way too much time talking about the past. You know, and if you look at even the way they ran commercials, they lied about our people. Um, That's not fair. But we should have done more talking about what our vision was, not just on crime, one aspect. We didn't really talk about taxes. We didn't really talk about how do we deal with growing the economy. How about schools? I think we could have done a better job at making the election about broader terms. That's what we did in the legislature. And if you look at the three seats we picked up, they were all 50-50 seats. So for all this mumbo-jumbo about gerrymandering, which is why Democrats use that as a crutch for failed candidates in a bad campaign, we won three races in a very tough election year that were 50-50. I think that would say we had a better message, better candidates, worked harder, better strategy, and I wish we could figure a way to employ that at the statewide level we just have to work that
0: so looking ahead you've been in office about two decades speaker for a decade but yeah. well, what's next for you
1: well I always tell people this is the last elected job that I'll ever have you know I could have run for congress I didn't do that you know I don't think I'll ever be governor and I'm okay with that and accepted that 20 years ago so well,
0: you're the shadow governor right <laughs>
1: But I get the chance as, um, you know, somebody's involved in these national groups where I get to be part of the faculty to teach new speakers. And one of the things I always say at the new speaker training is that you get the chance today to decide, is this going to be your last elected job or is it going to be the one that you use as a stepping stone to the next one? And neither is a wrong answer, but how you do the job is tremendously different. I have taken on an awful lot of abuse and like Velcro, right? It just kind of sticks which means it's really hard for me to run for anything else. And I'm okay with that because I knew that starting on day one, this was my last job, make the legislature as strong as it could, make sure we stand up for our principles, and find a way to keep winning, okay? But that means to some people, you make compromises, you do things that maybe not everybody loves, and over time, those add up. So that's why another study that was done is the Speaker of the Legislature is one of the most dead-end jobs in politics. If you look nationally, Marco Rubio is pre- and Tom Tillis are the only two speakers that I know who are in the U.S. Senate today. Um, there aren't many to run for Congress, because for the most part, you protect the institution at your own expense. So I'll do this as long as I enjoyed and still enjoying it today. Time will only tell. I'm hoping at some point we get a Republican governor, <laughs> but it seems like you know, my hopes were dashed in 2022. So I got four more years. We'll see.
0: Okay. Wedge Issues is sponsored by Leopold's Books Bar Cafe. Madison's bookstore for night owls. Serving craft cocktails, locally roasted coffee, and desserts. Every day from morning till midnight. More information at leopoldsmadison.com. You ready for the lightning round?
1: Sure. Let's do it.
0: What is your favorite Wisconsin beer?
1: I know the answer, but I can't say it. Um, I will say. Is wine coming? I know. i you a wine I'm really, guy? Not a, I'm really not a beer person. Okay, that's um, a fair answer. Okay, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, what's your wine then?
1: I'm uh, Pinot Noir. Michelle and I love Oregon Pinot Noirs. We actually try to do wine tasting. I will say there are some wines that are locally produced that are okay. We like some from Door County, but in general, we're more California people.
0: All right. Um, who are your political role models? Oh my gosh.
1: Well, my favorite president is Calvin Coolidge, only president that ever balanced the budget and cut spending during his uh, term in office. Um, Ronald Reagan was a person during my childhood that I really looked up to as somebody who was positive and inspirational, but more than anybody else, it's probably Tommy Thompson. Tommy gave my first real chance in politics. I worked in his 1986 campaign as a high school volunteer. I got put on the Board of Regents. I still talk to him probably at least once a month, if not more. So that's probably the person that I'm closest to that I actually know. What's the best advice that you've been given? Oh, wow. Don't take it personal. In the world that we live in, especially in a hyper-partisan social media environment, if you take it personal, it's really hard to get anything done. Uh, My staff always says my memory is too short, uh, (laughs) but that's what you have to do. Sure.
0: What's the key? You've got some sort of famous bipartisan friendships, right? What's the key to maintaining those?
1: Finding out who they are as a person. Obviously, I voted for the Defense of Marriage Act, but I am super happy that Mark Pocan is married to somebody that he loves with all of his heart, right? That's what you want. I just want to know people on a personal level and stay in touch. Uh, I just had dinner with Peter Barker. I shouldn't have been saying that I don't want to get him in trouble. Uh, (laughs) But I mean, that's the whole point, right? You have to stay connected and you realize that issues are issues, but just because you believe in something doesn't make you a bad person. And I think far too many activists, even some of our newer members, forget that a human being is below the beliefs and it's not just all, you know, whatever somebody is a Republican and Democrat. They're a husband, a father, a sister, a brother, you know, a friend. And I I, I try to keep that in mind.
0: Do you have any pets?
1: I didn't have a dog named Reagan, but he just recently died of stomach cancer. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, pretty sad, yeah. But mm. we're so busy, we're not getting another dog until I'm done.
0: Yeah, that's a big commitment. <laughs> yeah, you're not, a,
1: you're not a cat person, are you? No. Okay, The phone.
0: I've, I've got a dog. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's good, yeah, that's <laughs> good. What's the first concert you attended, or if you don't remember, your your favorite?
1: Oh, boy, probably the Violent funs when I was in high school. I think I saw them probably eight or ten times. So we've actually joked about the fact I wish they'd come back to Summerfest. Yeah. So it's definitely on our list, but yeah. Okay.
0: Are you currently keeping up with any TV shows?
1: Oh, yeah. We are watching one right now called Night Agent. It actually has a Wisconsin connection, believe it or not. So we listened to that. They're from Racine, which I learned as we did that. So that's the one we're watching right now.
0: Okay. Uh, Are you reading anything not work-related right now?
1: I am reading the biography of Cornelius Vanderbilt. Uh, One of my friends gave it to me um, about how the steam engine radicalized the world. So believe it or not, it's interesting. They gave this to me because the Harvard Business Review did a study where they said that the Steam engine in 1810 added 30% to productivity and it changed the world, right? Everything driven by it ended. So they are now saying that AI is going to increase productivity by 50%. Wow. So imagine more radical than, and actually, I just listened to a podcast where somebody said it's going to be bigger than fire, right? Bought well, was some of the underfall. So I don't know if that's true or not, but it gave me the inspiration on somebody said, We read this book. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Favorite vacation that you've taken?
1: Oh, um oh, there's so many. We love going to Europe. I love Portugal. We went to Portugal twice uh, in the last couple of years. Super friendly people, inexpensive, easy to get to, um, great climate. Um, so we're going to go this year. We're going to Ireland on a trip with some folks, and then we're doing a safari in the fall. Oh, wow. Yeah, this is going to be cool. That's cool.
0: Go-to artist or album?
1: Oh, boy. I am a jazz person, so, like, if I do my serious Station, um, the 40s on 4 is one that I listen to quite a bit, believe it, like it or not. Too. I know <laughs> That's good, yeah. yeah. I love Billy Holiday. I love all the old jazz singers. I mean, I love the Rat Pack. Believe it or not, we were just in Las Vegas, and one of the criteria we use is the closest to death for the person that we go to see in Vegas. So we just saw Wayne Newton. Ooh, um, yeah. We were definitely at the umber end of the Ground. <laughs> <laughs> and it kind of reminds you of the whole Rat Pack idea. Believe it or not, I did not know he was a pallbearer at uh, Frank Sinatra's funeral. So he was super well-connected to all those people. So there aren't many left, but um, that's the one thing Michelle and I always say, I wish I could go back to the Rat Pack in Watson in Vegas. That'd be pretty cool, yeah.
0: Um, at the end of a long work day, what is the
1: comfort food that you crave? Mm. Well, they really don't let me have it anymore. But I would say I like pizza, I like fast food, I like Taco Bell. Um, they make fun of me for that, but I am now recently on a weight loss kit mm-hmm. where I put out about 10 pounds more than I wanted. So I am using the Lose It app on my phone. So every day they are nice enough an apple appears on my desk. So I'm trying <laughs> to eat positively. So I, I don't get my comfort food as much as I would want. But I would say my mom's cooking. Red Michelle is an amazing chef. So uh, anything well cooked is usually good.
0: All right, you ready for the last one? Let's
1: do favorite Wisconsin cheese? Oh, um, I well, I love all Wisconsin cheese. I would probably say if I was looking at a cheese platter, it would be jalapeno cheddar or a jalapeno, some kind of saying, word, Swiss. Yeah, that's mine.
0: All right. Thanks for doing Wedge Issues. Happy you do it, they flip. Thank you for listening to Wedge Issues. Our show is sponsored by Leopold's Books Bar Cafe and edited by Haley Bowers. Our intro music is Oh, Wisconsin by Loxley. We'll have new episodes every other week. If you like what you heard, hit subscribe, rate us on Apple Podcasts, and tell a friend. And if you haven't already, sign up for Wedge Issues, the newsletter, at captimes.com slash newsletters. I'm Jesse O'Poyan. Thanks for listening.